This is Joe Burns. And Beth West. Hey, thank you for listening to the Rock School Radio Podcast. We think you'll learn something. Now remember, if you want to hear the show with all the music in place, go to kslu.org and stream the show live Thursdays at 5 and Sundays at 4. It's a new show every week. Now enjoy this week's Rock School Radio Show. Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recordings. Time for school. Rock school with your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. And then some kid takes it, puts on his iPod. There we go. Plays it through this little $18 (laughs) speaker system he picked up at Big Lots. And Beth West. Yeah, once um, I get the recording of this, I'm going to play it really slow and Google pretty much every other (laughs) Class is in. This is the Rock School Radio Show right here on the Rock School Radio Network, and we're about to announce next week that we've picked up a brand new affiliate, so the network just keeps getting a little bit larger. Yay! Yay! My <laughs> name is Joe Burns, Beth uh, West. Thank hi. you for coming in one more time. I, I just keep uh, getting happier and happier than you're walking through the door. This is, believe it or not, our... 300th show amazing. here on Rock School. I'm I'm absolutely ecstatic. And because of that, we have brought back our returning champions to help us out one more time. <laughs> Over on the right, what's your name, young man? Bill Robison. And you are a? Historian. Fantastic. And to my left, the guy who's basically going to be running the show today, oh you my. are? Dan McCarthy. All right, our plasma physicist. So, as this is the 300th show, we wanted to do something uh, something new, something interesting, rather than listening to me yammer on for an hour. You're a physicist, and uh, of the four yeah. shows that we did last summer, you just offhandedly stated that you do a lecture on the physics of sound. Actually taught a course here on the physics of sound. Great. Um, and the first words out of my mouth were, well, you've, you've got to put together an hour on that and bring it in and do it on the show. Yeah, I, I le- need to learn to keep my mouth shut next time <laughs> on the show yeah. and not come up with these ideas. This well, is that so is what I have done. It is. I am really excited about this show. It seems so fascinating. Kicking and screaming, so you have come back. I'm back, yes. So I let's take back. an hour and let's talk about the physics of sound, the physics of music. We're going to get real heady on this one. Yes. And you've brought music that has in parentheses, next to it this will bug joe so absolutely yeah. let's, let's that music's gonna be fun through. for me all right dan this is basically your show where are we going thank you very much joe and in an effort not to be so heady i'm glad bill robison is here because okay. he will certainly bring it down and entertain everybody <laughs> yeah and i'm gonna really try to do maybe a, th- a third about the physics of sound then get into rock and roll because that is what this show is about because i don't want to dull our audience or bore our audience okay um first thing to talk about is uh just sound we need to talk about what sound is and that's because if you don't understand that you really can't go forward sounds a wave okay 
Um, what's a wave? Okay. A wave is basically when you take some kind of a medium almost all the time and you disturb it. And that disturbance then moves through the medium. So in the case of sound, like water, throwing like a rock water, water, you put a walk and then you make the medium go up and down and the wave goes out to the sides. Okay. Right? So, for example, you can think of a, a nice way to think of a sound wave is like a slinky. You have a slinky, you squeeze a little bit and then it goes out to the sides Okay. and it moves on. And that's really what happens with sound. You take a medium and the medium can be anything. It can be a piece of wood. It can be water. For our purposes, it's air. And so you squeeze it, it squeezes back. Now, what happens is you can't just squeeze it and get sound. You need to squeeze it with a certain frequency. If you wiggle it back and forth with a certain frequency, that then is something your ear picks up as sound. So that's important. It doesn't do good to just squeeze air. you got to squeeze it. So how frequently you squeeze the air corresponds to the pitch. That's okay. the important thing right like there. A440. A440. So that means you're taking air or the medium and you're squeezing it 440 times in one second. Then it propagates and you pick it up. So that is what a sound wave is. It's basically you take a medium, squeeze it at a certain frequency. If you don't do it at the frequency, you won't get sound. Oh, you'll get a sound wave, but it won't be anything detectable in a musical sense. So that's really what it is. It's a squeezing of a medium. Okay, so that's I'm just step here one. thinking that, you know, Cosmic Debris, the Frank Zappa song, is about a disturbed medium, but a whole different sort of ah, disturbed yeah, medium. Absolutely. Is that, a, is that a real, what is it, a park? That's not a, real a park. Poncho is that a real Sears poncho? poncho. Is that a real poncho? Yeah. All right, so what are we talking about? What's a song that well, gets us into it? There's, um, what we're going to talk about is, because I'm talking about waves, we're going to go straight into a great song from Genesis, great. Um, back in the old day Genesis off the Trick of the Tail album called Ripples. Right. And um, this is one, uh, just to talk about rock, this is the first album after Peter Gabriel left Genesis, but this song still kind of sounds a lot like when Peter Gabriel was still in it, which is why I like it so much. Good enough. This is Ripples. It's Genesis on Rock School. Girls come in every size Some are wise and some are the wise They got all right, here on the Rock School 300th show, Dan McCarthy's walking us through the physics of sound. All right, so far we've got a, a rippling, a, um, a, a sound wave moving through, but where are we going now? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, music doesn't become music until uh, I think a person detects it and hears it, which you know ties into the ear and the brain. So right. the ear is basically our microphone. It's what detects the waves. Mm -hmm. And the ear is pretty incredible. I think people need to respect how amazing it is. And um, it can detect a range of frequencies from either 20 cycles per second up to 20,000 cycles per second. Mm -hmm. Musically, that corresponds to about 10 octaves. You say, well, that is a really wide, wide range. Of all animals, it's it's one of the widest. I mean, a lot of animals right. can go higher, some can go lower, but it is a wide range. And a piano is about eight. A piano is about eight. So right, to give a, a little, general you know, idea. A little higher and a little lower. Um, just to compare that to the other wave detector we have in our bodies, namely the eye. The eye detects only about a factor of two in frequencies, so if you th even less than that. So if you think of that musically, that's about the same as a sixth or a minor seventh. It's a mm -hmm. really so. Imagine the the audio world, which is confined to maybe six, seven notes. It's just a whole different type of thing. So the ear has a wide, wide range, and it's also incredibly sensitive. And, right. You can listen to. I found this just my own thinking. You listen to an entire orchestra. If you concentrate, you can pick out just the viola yeah. or just the horn. 
It's it's amazing what you can do. It, just enough concentration on this huge array of sound. You can just or listening to a Zappa right. song, mm-hmm. you can pull out just the bass right. in your own brain. But imagine if the music had all those high frequencies, low frequencies, just cut right out of it. You only have this one narrow window. That's pretty amazing to think about because yeah. I'm thinking about the way that our eyes perceive art, which uh, visual art, so like the eye equivalent of music Mm. and how varied and diverse that is and everything that we can kind of uh, gather from that. And then to think about how much more we can get from sound really kind of drives home the point. Yeah, I I think the difference is with the eye, there's greater sensitivity between frequencies. While you don't have that sensitivity with the ear, mm-hmm. like I mean, Western music we're talking more is really about half steps. You know, some gets right. quarter steps, which is a pretty big frequency difference. While the eye is more sensitive with within the frequencies, right. so. and that's the 102 crayons in the box. Oh, there we go. <laughs> right. there we go. Exactly. Even even if you do, like you say, even if you do kill the highs and kill the lows, like a telephone, I can still tell it's yeah, you. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's, it's an there. amazing, like you say, yeah. it's an amazing instrument. Absolutely. And it's also, it's so sensitive. I mean, the uh, level of fluctuation, if you disturb the medium to one part in 10 billion, your ear is going to pick it up. Is that it's true? Just, it, yes. I mean, if you wow. have a pressure disturbance of one part in 10 billion, that will detect it. And if it gets to as big as one part in 10,000, that's pain. Hmm. So the ear is a very, very sensitive instrument. It's actually a good thing. Or, or fish. Uh, that's pain, fish. too. That's too bad. Uh, right, 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 right. The group fish. Ah, ah, the pH ooh, fish. Yeah, we're back. Go, go, go. Uh-oh. Oh, there's going to be a fight. No, not at all. Well, along those lines, I think we need to go to a song. Okay. Yeah, this is a song. We'll, we'll let our... Uh... <laughs> well, the, the, the song that we're going to play here is the latter part of uh, We're Not Going to Take It from the Who's uh, rock opera, Tommy. Uh, and a little cautionary tale here. Uh, Pete Townsend, who spent uh, years standing in front of very loud Marshall stacks playing his guitar, uh, now is permanently afflicted with tinnitus, which is uh, an ailment you can pick up from overstimulating the ear. Uh, I have a little experience with that myself. Uh, Fortunately, I couldn't afford as big a stack as he had, so I didn't do as much damage to my right ear as he did. That actually might be one of my first memories of him is on the commercials saying, like, you know, protect your ears. Do you remember those? Right. Well, Jeff, Jeff Skunk Baxter used to come out, the guitars for Steely Dan and later um, Doobie Brothers, used to come out on stage with headphones mm-hmm. and caught all kinds of heck for it. You, you're not a rocker. You're not going to. Now he's got all his hearing and other yeah. people are going, what? Yeah. yeah. Right. So, he can still hear. Yeah. But at any rate, the, the part of the song that we're playing is uh, the latter third of the song, which is listening to you. Yes, it is. It's the Who on oh, Rock I School. The 300th show on Rock School, uh, here with our uh, two returning champions and special guests. It's Bill Robison, and uh, I always pronounce your last name wrong. Is it Robison, Robison? Uh, the family pronounces it Robison, but I answer to either. Okay, fine. Um, Let's just go with know, Bill. As long as it's not prefaced with profanity, I'm good. <laughs> okay, it's that darn Bill Robison uh, sitting over there. Dan McCarthy <laughs> is running the entire show today. Beth West is also in the studio with us. Where are we going? We're talking about sound, the physics of sound, and you've made me pick up my uh, gut 
fat string guitar here. Yeah, exactly. We have a prop today. And then, yeah. I'm not referring to you, Joe. We're referring to the guitar in your hand. I um, am Carrot Head. We are now, exactly. Right, right. Um, we're now moving on to an important thing with music okay. called harmonics. Um, right. I'm talking about waves. Okay. Um, harmonics are basically waves within waves, if that makes any sense. Um, okay. So when you pluck a string, Joe, pluck a string for this us. Will, this will be the A440 we talked about. Right. There's an A. Okay, now what it, all he's done is hit the string. It turns out that that string, the only condition is, is that the ends can't move, and so it's allowed to move in the middle. Right. Now it turns out you can also create a situation where the very middle doesn't move, but it kind of wiggles side to side. So Joe's okay. gonna do that for me right now. Now what he's done is he's put his finger right in the middle, and both things have, and now it's wiggling, and also here a higher note. So that is called a harmonic. That's the second harmonic. Right. And these are actually not just on stringed instruments. You get them on wind instruments and all sorts of, um, yeah, saxophones, clarinets, vocals trumpets. as well. Vocal, yeah. There's very you sing a G, I sing a G. I can tell it's you because there's of the harmonics. The harmonics. Yeah, and right. there's actually even more harmonics. If Joe sticks his finger a third of the way along the string, he now has that sound. And he can go a fifth of the way along the string. Uh, or fourth, and so that's the fourth, and then you can that's go fourth. even further. Yeah, uh, now, there's some little tiny ones up here too, but a gut doesn't yeah, do them very well. Hard to do. So just play them in sequence, Joe. Play the first, the second. Oops, out of sequence. Okay, now if you listen to that musically, what that corresponds to musically is a the fundamental, a fifth, and then up another octave. Mm -hmm. That's a perfect fifth. So when Joe played the second harmonic and the third harmonic. Wait, that's the uh, second. Yeah, that's second and second and octave. Um, second. That corresponds to a perfect musical interval, and mm -hmm. that's where the intervals come from. The intervals are natural harmonics. So, the perfect fifth is the ratio between the second and third harmonic. It's a two to one frequency ratio. Mm -hmm. That's Which, how you get a perfect fifth. A perfect fourth is a four to three ratio. An octave is a one to two, and so that's where these intervals come from. The notes come from the harmonics. And why they, when you play the two notes together, they sound good. Right. Like they an sound octave good. will sound good. So that will sound good. And actually, a fifth sounds really good, too, because the, um, there we go. That's a good musical sound. And the reason is the third harmonic of the low note is the same as the second harmonic of the higher note. Mm -hmm. So they actually ring together. So um, that's really the important thing right there is built into all of these notes are these other frequencies. And that's an important thing. Now, generally speaking, when you play a note, it's just not one frequency. You have all these harmonics added into it, mm -hmm. which is that is really the fundamental reason why different the same note can sound differently. So a an A from a trumpet will sound different from a violin, from a piano, from a guitar, from a person singing, from a flute. It's not the basic frequency is still 440 cycles, but they get all these other frequencies added into it. It creates an envelope of sound. It is an envelope. And so the the shape itself is not as simple up and down. It's very complex. Mm -hmm. But it turns out the complexity is because of all those harmonics that have been added into it. So I don't know if that's totally blowing your mind yet. But yeah, that really once is um, I get the recording of this, I'm going to play it really slow and Google pretty much every yeah. other <laughs> that, word. That's, that's an encouraging thing. But <laughs> you got your, your basic note also has these other notes built into them. They're kind of, it's part of the thing. And the, right. thing, the important thing is, it's not just like the fundamental frequency. It's that, and then, then one times two, and times three, and times right. four. It's not times one point one or two, but it's the in the numbers, the actual integral numbers. Are you going to go into the actual mathematics of 
440 Absolutely. and double it to eight. We're going to get there. Yes. Right. Because once, right. once you see the mathematics of this note and this note sound good because they are multiples Absolutely. of each other, and these notes sound bad because they don't correspond to one another. Yeah. That's okay. We're it really is. Yeah, it, it's kind of, but you need this background for that to even make sense. So, All right. Um, what are we going to play to show the uh, harmonics? We're going to play a, uh, a solo by a bass player, uh, Victor Wooten, who is the um, bass player of the uh, Bela Fleck and the Flecktones, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. is a, an undefinable band. Um, jazz is a, a poor way to describe them because they play everything. And he does this. I would encourage you to go on YouTube and look at the actual live performance. Yes. An incredible version of Amazing Grace on the bass using harmonics. Beautiful. It's, it, yes, that's <laughs> exactly what it is. <laughs> Sounds like this. Scary. <laughs> on Rock School. First break here on Rock School. Now, if it's getting away from you, if you're listening to the show and going, oh, really, can't we just talk about, you know, drinking and partying all <laughs> night? If it's getting away from you, all right, we're going to try to do a little bit that, that, you know, most people love this stuff. Mathematics. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is where it's fun. Now, we talked about, I'll get your rolling with this whole thing. We're talking about the physics of sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A440, you right. heard it. Sure. It was the it was the, the, the deep A sound. Okay. Right. Now, the octave of that, eight steps up, do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, yeah, do, right. is 880. Exactly. Okay. You can see the mathematics. Right. Two times 440 is right. 880. Take it from there. Okay. Well, now we have our A's, and the one below it is A220. Right. Cut it in half. Right. They well, sound good together because... Because they're a factor of two. Right. So where do you get your B from? Where do you get your C? Where do you get your F sharp? Right. So we now know where the A's come from because Joe has stated, and as do other people, that 440 is an A. So one thing you can do is go back to what we talked about with harmonics. Say, mm -hmm. well, look, if it's a 3 to 2 ratio, why can't we go from 440 to 660? That should be a fifth above it, which would then be you an can. E. And they sound so, good and because they sound good. mathematically. So, and they, because they have that integer relationship together. They right. Integers. I need so, more examples, please. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm, back in, I'm back in algebra two. Can, can uh, you give me another example? Let me go get, <laughs> let me go, let me go get the guitar. Okay. All right. Hang on a second. Imagine there is a, let's forget about 440. Let's think about 100 is your frequency. Okay. Because okay, I'm, I'm speaking as a representative of absolutely. everyone who has an English degree. So we're going to use the number. <laughs> My parents both English majors. So, yeah. um, no, let's use a simple number, 100, okay? Okay. An octave above that is 200. Okay. And then it keeps going. Now, if you go to 300, that's actually going to be a fifth above that. It's but, half of it. Okay, yeah. Because right. it doubles every time. Right. Okay, so yeah. So what you can do, and this is where you're going to get a little bit musical here, is if you, every time you go up a fifth, you're right. multiplying the frequency by 1.5. Right. Okay. Every time is 1.5. That's what a fifth is. It's 1.5 times more. So you can say, well, look, let's go up a fifth and up a fifth and up a fifth and up a fifth. And it turns out if you do that 12 times, you end up back at the note again. It's called musically the circle, circle of, of fifths. fifths. The circle of fifths. Okay. If you just got to look at a piano, you say, okay, C to a G, G to a D, and it keeps going up, and you will then fill up every note possible. It's amazing. 
That is cool. It is okay, cool. Okay, I feel like I get that. Thank so you very if much. You 12 of these fifths, <laughs> you will then end up with a note. You will. It turns out you'll end up with a note seven octaves higher than when you started. So if you start an A and then do the circle of fifths, you'll end up at a note seven notes higher. So what that means is now every time you raise it by a fifth, you multiply the frequency times 1.5. Got it. We're got that. Right. Yes. An English major nation is liking that. Right. And as a, Anytime okay. you octave, right. times it by two. two. And the party animals, because right. many, yeah. of, yeah. many of them know all about a circle of fifths. And they all, yes, yeah. they and do. The take, take the introduction to the doors, love me two times. Yes. He plays the circle of fifths. Okay. There you go. Got there it. You go. There you go. And so the point is, if you go up 12 fifths, that should be the same as seven octaves. Okay. So, okay, everyone agree with that? 12, 12 times 5 is 7 octaves. Right, is 7 octaves. Right, because so, you go 12, so 12 fifths, so that means 1.5, 12 right. times, should be equal to 2, 7 times. Get it? Because the first one is the beginning note. So every yes. fifth, so 1.5 multiplied by itself 12 times should equal 2 multiplied by itself 7 times. Guess what? It's not. It's not. It's not. No. It's close, but it's not quite right. right. The numbers are off. It doesn't work. Okay. It doesn't work. If you do this, which sounds perfect, it makes great sense, it should work. It doesn't. It fails miserably. And it turns out when you get away from this starting note, it sounds horribly, horribly out of tune. So this nice, beautiful thing we just described is broken. It doesn't right. work. And so this, it turns out, if you're in very simple type of music, really simple harmonies, it works. And so actually it's not a big deal for other um, cultures, but with Western cultures, we like harmony. Mm -hmm. And so actually what is done now, if you look at uh, most instruments, is people, they basically said they want every half step to be the same. So okay. in an octave, there's 12 half steps. Mm -hmm. So in one octave, 12 half steps. So they want to make sure that every half step, no matter what key I'm in, gives me the same thing. Mm -hmm. That's what they want to do. So that means if you go up an octave, you're going up 12 half steps. Do you know what he means by a half step? C to no. C sharp. Okay, here, look. Da, da. Watch this. Watch this. I, this I is don't G play to an A. instrument. I'm the this only is person G to who A. doesn't play. Yeah. Here is G, G sharp A. Okay. Here's full step. Two half steps. Get it? So a yeah. whole octave is yes. 12 half steps. Thank okay. you. A whole octave is 12 half steps. Right. So because you want to end up with an octave with a two, that means that the ratio between half steps is... Here, now we're really going to lose the audience. Yeah. The 12th root of 2. That's right. So the 12th root of 2 is how you figure out all the frequencies. Which and is why when you tune a piano, you can't do it mathematically. Right. You have to do it with tuning forks, which take into account the change in numeric frequencies all the way up. Wow. I think we've just blown some minds out Okay. There, but that's I think you have. And <laughs> and I think, but I think it's in a really good way. That's that's what we're going for. <laughs> Hello, KLSU, if you're still listening. Thanks for running the radio show. Hello, KSCL in Shreveport. I know you all got that. Sure. There. They're smart. Catch us on Facebook. Uh, search Rock School Radio Show and like us. You really like us. We'll be back in a minute with more from Dan, who's just starting to heat up. Oh, Honest my. to goodness. Back in a minute on Rock School. All right, we're going to get away from mathematics on this. I've been I've been informed mathematics has been thrown out the window at this point. <laughs> are we right about that? No, not really. Oh, it's too bad. Yeah. Tunings. Am I right about tunings? Yeah, we are. I mean, this is um, a lot of... Uh, I just told you that this whole 12th root of 2 thing, which I think lost most of your audience. But well, as it happens, that doesn't sound as good as the harmonics. It doesn't sound as good. So with now, some uh, I, musicians... I mean, not to go back to it, but if, if this interests you at all, we're throwing this into an hour. 
If you can get a class that talks about this and really understand all of that and the mathematics of how music mm-hmm. works, if, if you play it all, it really, I am right about this, Absolutely. it really helps you understand how chords are built. Yes. I went through the just the class you're talking mm-hmm. about. And I mean, you couldn't get me to listen to classical. It had to be rock and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And this woman stood up there and did just what you're talking about. Yeah. And it's if if the time is given, it's mesmerizing. It, it, it really, really is. is. It's just it it's adds a richness to it. Um, so it's 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 not non-musical. It just adds a little bit of background. Yeah, so you I understand the music better. I couldn't. But it's it's I could not get enough of it. So right. go on with open well, tunings. Yeah. What, what happens is. Um, it really it sounds better when you don't tune things that way. The problem is you can't move around in keys. So what a lot, a lot of guitarists will do is they will tune their guitar so that these harmonics are perfectly in tune. Mm-hmm. And so they pick, uh, pick um, very specific tunings. The blues guys and slide guitar players do this all the time. And they are masters at this. Mm-hmm. And so you can... Yeah. Me. Well, I mean, you know, you get Keith Richards using the G uh, tuning, which he picked up from Jimmy Reed. Uh, Elmore James used a, a D tuning uh, on "Dust My Broom." Albert um, King F sharp. Yeah, yeah F sharp. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you want a, a whole primer on it, read the new book about Jimmy Page, where he talks about I don't know a dozen different tunings that he used uh, with Led Zeppelin. Dad, uh, Dad is Cashmere. Yeah, and yep. uh, you know, Sonic Youth uses a lot of weird hmm. tunings. So there's 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 a whole bunch of this going on out there. And one of the, the greatest practitioners of this was uh, Joni Mitchell, who's a mm-hmm. brilliant songwriter, singer, and guitarist. So um, the song we're going to give right here is a uh, song by Joni called Cotton Avenue, where you can oh, hear just that beautiful ringing song. sound of the guitar. It's it's just it's gorgeous. And the bass player on this song is pretty good, too. Back in the studios. Excellent. Yes. Here is Joni Mitchell in Rock School. This is Rock School's 300th show, ladies and gentlemen, and we are talking with, uh, once again, our two favorite special guests that come in, Bill Robeson, uh, Dan McCarthy is here. It's Dan's show today. (laughs) Oh, shucks. It's uh, It's only because I'm now the co-host. That's true. That's true. You guys have been in more than anybody else, (laughs) so you you have some sort of favor. (laughs) You, You keep coming back. Why can't we make them go away? You want to talk about recording. Yeah, I mean, um, you can't really talk about rock and roll without talking about technology. Okay. Uh, it, it, you think of it that way, it really is true. And a huge thing is actually recording. How do you, you know, the way people used to listen to music is they'd listen to the performer and that was it. Right. With recording, they say, okay, well, let's put it on some kind of a medium and then give it to someone else. So um, that was really the basic idea of recording is you take the shape of the wave in the air and put it onto something. Right. So in the case of a record, you etch it onto this vinyl. Right. Um, you can do it on tapes where you put a magnetic signal, which has that. So mm-hmm. that was the idea. And then you take that signal and turn it back into something into the air. Right. Um, really basic idea. Um, That's the problem with recording. You can capture it, but you have to turn it back around and get it back, it back out. And every time you move it from one thing to another, something changes. 
Right. Like, it's always something, maybe a little right. bit, and um, but something is not quite the same. Right. It's not I've necessarily had, a bad thing. I've had students say to me, you know, bands just didn't sound the same in, you know, in the 1920s. Yeah, they did. Yeah, the right. recording right. just right. wasn't right. as yeah, good. Absolutely. What is it that changes from medium to medium? There's always a signal. I mean, it, you have this, you're detecting it, and the detection can never be perfect. There's okay. something that's just not quite perfect. There's uh, going to be properties of the medium that you're doing on. There's... Um, can be pretty darn good, but it can never really be perfect. And that's what of I mean. Course, and right. if you right. keep doing it and you say, okay, I'm now going to move it from a stylus to this and then back from right. a stylus to this to an amplifier, you're messing with the wave about a half dozen times. You know, audiophiles will say that vinyl doesn't capture enough bass. Digital amplifies the highs too much. Right. That kind of stuff. It's just not the same thing. It's not, I don't know. You can use that to your advantage sometimes. The fact that <laughs> right. it's the same, you can then go play around with it. So, um, but Sure. That's the, the basic process. Um, what digital things does is digital actually, it doesn't measure the entire wave. It just measures, measures discrete values of the wave. Mm -hmm. Because um, so, and there's actually this amazing thing that if you sample it um, twice as fast, the, the higher frequency, you can perfectly recreate the wave. It's kind of an amazing thing. So oh, really? if you think about a wave, I mean, there's really an infinite number of values, right? Right. But this says you can just take discrete samples and then um, turn it back. And this right. was actually discovered by a scientist, this uh, Nyquist at uh, Bell Labs, because they were trying to figure out how to move phone signals a long way without mm -hmm. using a lot of information. So it's... Um, this sampling theory, um, that's really how digital recordings work. You sample, at, basically, if you do 40,000 samples in a second, you'll have the wave. Right. And you can completely recreate the wave. And then some Amazing. kid takes it, puts it on his iPod. There and we go. Plays it through this little $18 <laughs> speaker system he picked up at yes. Big Lots. And grrr. What are we playing? We're going to play, uh, Bill, you want to talk about this song here? Okay, this is from the very first rock album recorded using digital technology. There have been a few classical albums before that, but the first album using digital was Ry Cooter's Bop Till You Drop, and this right. is a song. For sure, man, I'm telling you. Oh, they'll do anything that old low-down Hollywood. Be in a world of trouble now. Second break here on Rock School, and speaking of Rock School, let's talk Rock Man. This is Tom Schultz we're talking about, speaking of recording. Gadgets. Oh, yeah. yeah. This is a big giant brain on two feet, two big feet. This guy's, what, 6'6"? Six, six? Yeah, was like, he's Something a big, like tall, that. skinny guy. Well, Tom Schultz is the, the, the brain behind the band Boston, the rock band Boston. Right. But he was also an MIT engineer. I think he ended up getting his master's there in um, engineering. And... Um, what he invented this little box called a rock man, and he right. basically took this idea like, okay, look, we're taking the sound wave and turning it into something electronic. Why can't I play around with it? It's right. already electronic, so you can go right. and reproduce it perfectly right. as best you can, or you can muck around and have some fun with it. And that was really what this does. It was the kind of thing you just plug into your guitar, and it would directly impact your uh, the sound of the thing. It was a neat little device. You could also buy a Rockman that would allow you to plug. I owned one of these silly things. Yeah. It would allow you to take your stereo, plug it in as well, and you could play along instead of you know turning up the the stuff and bugging your parents. <laughs> you could come straight out of your headphone jack into a Rockman sort of Walkman esque yeah. type thing, and your guitar would be part of the band that was playing. That's just it was the greatest thing in the world. And this was in the what the seventies or early eighties. I was in high school, so seventy six. So you're in high school. So I was in the fifties then. Yeah, fifties. Right back before plumbing and right, and we would kill our own meat in Cleveland. Right, yeah, yeah. Tom Schultz also had a thing called the power soak. 
that okay. I thought was unbelievable where you would, to make a guitar scream, you had to take all the dials and turn it up. And that's really when it starts to sound great. Up to 11, right? Right, but you would, you would harm right. the amplifier. So what he would do is take this power soak and you could turn up the guitar, get the sound you wanted, and then using his power soak, turn down the overall volume of the uh. instrument, but it would still scream. I mean, that was an amazing thing. That's the difference between a distortion pedal, which works at any volume, <laughs> and an overdrive pedal, which only gets distorted when you go to really high volume. Right. Yeah. Now kept, we're getting oh. geeky. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 You, really you kept your ears, but you kept the sound, which was which is really amazing. It's a beautiful I've, thing. I've never I've never owned a power soak, but uh, man, the the stuff the guy did. We got to take a break. Hello, Radio Universidad, Salamanca, Spain. Hello, WBSD in Burlington, Wisconsin. All right, back in a minute to talk more about some physics of sound with uh, our friend, the plasma physicist, right here on Rock School. Running out of time, so rather than do a big introduction, here's Dan. All right, we're going to get rock and roll again and talk about feedback. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Feedback is a, feedback. there's a little bit of science here, but it's also just really cool. And it basically comes from the idea that when you play something electric, you then are driving it with electricity. So the amplifiers are sending waves out. Mm -hmm. What those waves will do is they'll come back to your instrument and they can drive the instrument itself. The feedback waves. The feedback. So you're, mm -hmm. I mean, so Joe has plucked his guitar with his thing, but then the amplifier comes back and those waves drive the string. Mm -hmm. And if they drive the string, they get louder and louder and louder and louder, and then it saturates. And that's basically what feedback is. It's a resonance where if you hit something at the same frequency, you'll then get bigger and bigger and bigger. Which is, mm. is that the same reason why when some kid puts a, a big set of speakers in his car and the bass note hits part of the car resonates? It hits a resonance in the car, absolutely. Yep. But there's all sorts of examples of resonance. When you drive something at its right frequency, the amplitude go up and that's what you're doing you're driving this thing at a frequency right and uh, if you uh, if you're working in radio and wearing headphones and the feedback loop hits your ears meet in the yes. middle oh. yes, they do so tell me what are we playing to show feedback we're gonna highlight one of the greatest feedback practitioners of all that's uh adrian Ballou. oh big electric cat absolutely fantastic right here on rock school Last break here on Rock School. I'll do a quick thank you. Bill, Dan, Beth, we're running out of time. Dan, <laughs> All go. right, to wrap this up here and just kind of close the loop here. All right, we talked about using instruments to create electronic signals. Right. Well, some guys said, well, why do we even need an instrument? Why can't we just take up something electronic to make the signal? And this was the whole idea. Moog? This, Moog, there we go. The yeah. whole idea of the Moog synthesizer came in. He went and invented something, usually in the shape of a keyboard, but where you would push a thing and the computer or whatnot, would create the signal itself. Right. And there was an even more interesting uh, device besides that called the Synclavier, which was used extensively by Frank Zappa, where you could actually write the music in. You could put the, the sort of program, the sheet music in, and then the music would come out. And one of the reasons Frank liked the Synclavier is because he could write harder music than people could play on it. Because he was very oh, frustrated by nice. the limitation of musicians. So he was then able to write music that he heard that wanted played with the Sinclair. And he didn't have to worry about the musicians coming in drunk or late or on drugs. So he liked that. He liked working with electronic things and wrote some amazing music on it. And uh, his album, Jazz from Hell, is all oh, Sinclair. That is hard to, li well, it's with hard to listen to. 
the whole album. When you're done, you're you're panting. It's, well, does that mean that the music that is impossible for humans to actually play is kind of also really hard for them to hear? I wouldn't go that far. I don't far. know, because Dweezil can play it. Yeah. Dan and I have both seen <laughs> yeah. him do it. And the, the, the last song we're going to play here is a song off that, on the single of called G-Spot Tornado. It's what unbelievable. Would, yeah, what I would recommend uh, the audience do, though, is go to YouTube and look at the live version by the Ensemble Modern off his uh, Yellow Shark album, where they mm-hmm. do play it, and it's stunning. Yeah, it's, um, and it grows on you. It, it does. Yeah. <laughs> that it does. Hey, thank you very much. That wraps it up. Class is dismissed.